The following episode contains discussion about depression and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to FraserCast, a place where we discuss how our community can create a more inclusive and equitable world for people of all abilities. Our community includes individuals who have varying physical, emotional, and diverse needs, and Fraser is here to help. Today we have two very special guests that are near and dear to our Fraser family hearts. Lane Shimataro and her uncle Bill Olson are here to share with us a very personal story about their family and how their life experience has shaped them into not only being Fraser advocates, but also mental health advocates. Welcome to both of you. We're glad to have you here today. Thank you. It's good to be Thank here. You. Great pleasure. And before we continue, I just want to take a minute to remind our listeners that Fraser has established a hope line. It's a free phone line that connects individuals with care advocates immediately if you or someone you love is in need of connecting. That number is 612 446 HOPE or 612-446-4673. I'll repeat that number at the end of the show, so don't hit the rewind button, no worries. All right, let's get started, Lane and Bill. So tell us about your story and let's begin with Josh Olson. Who is Josh Olson? Well, Josh um, was the center of my world and my wife's world, a fantastic young man bright and funny, and he had a big heart. He was diagnosed with, uh, on the autism spectrum uh, from a very early age with complications uh, from mild form of Tourette's. And he was very high functioning. Uh, throughout his younger years, you wouldn't know that Joshua had any problems. He was a happy kid. Uh, uh, we would joke and play and laugh. And um, parenthood, fatherhood was the uh, the best thing that ever happened to me. But as Joshua got older, uh, especially his senior year in high school, he began to struggle with uh, feelings of depression and feelings that something was wrong. He couldn't recall things the way he used to. He uh, struggled with uh, his motivation and just completing his tasks. Uh, which was unusual for Josh because Joshua was always a high achiever. I remember when we were in school in Australia, um, Joshua taught his first grade classmates about scientific notation and negative numbers. And his teacher had to say, hey, well, we're not there yet, Josh, you know, uh, we're not ready for that yet. But uh, we'd be sitting at the dinner table and say, give me a math problem, dad. And so um, after a while, my math problems weren't... Uh, weren't good enough for him. He'd say, no, come on, give me a real math problem, dad. That, that was just the way he is. Uh, he was. So anyway, during his senior year, he started to have problems with depression and um, what he felt was a, a, a loss of cognitive ability. And But he went off to college anyway, and he loved his first year at Brigham Young University. I think it was just the novelty of being away from home with other guys his age, uh, and it was a great environment. And he absolutely loved his freshman year at college. Um, they even called themselves the Band of Brothers. They were in a little tiny apartment in the basement of their dorm building underneath the stairs. It was like, you know, there were, there were six trolls living down there, but 
they even gave him the nickname of Jay Smooth. So it was a great experience for him, and we were so happy and so proud of him. Joshua came home to serve a mission for his church, and that proved to be a challenge because of his med- medical background, but he was accepted, and he left on his mission when we moved to Minnesota. But about six months into his mission, um, he had a really, really hard time with, uh, with depression, and his leader, his mission leader at the time, had suffered with depression and recommended that Joshua seek help, which he did. And for the next five to six years, Joshua did everything that he could, tried every treatment that he could think of that doctors would prescribe for him to overcome this feeling of depression and the fact that he couldn't remember anything. And I was privileged to find a journal that he kept during that that period. And his high school writings were um, bright and full of hope and open and full of optimism for the future. And gradually, as he worked towards the end of his life, his thoughts became disjointed and chaotic. And we think that he made the choice that he did not, he didn't want to live in a world where he said he couldn't feel any joy. He couldn't think clearly. Uh, To him, that was just unbearable. To me, Josh was always the older cousin. He was, he was always, he was a lot older than I was. So he was always kind of an inspiration because he was always a lot older. He was in high school when I was in elementary and middle school. So I would see him doing all these really cool things. And he was talking to me about creating his own search engine. And I thought that was crazy because I didn't understand how search engines worked. So he explained that to me once. And um, when they would come and visit, we would always go play in the pool. And um, that was always something so fun because I had someone who was more my age, but he was still a lot older. So that was always really fun. But I knew Josh was struggling and I didn't really understand what that struggle meant because I hadn't dealt with depression or those kinds of feelings, but I knew he was struggling and I didn't really, I didn't really know what that meant. And I didn't really know how to reach out, especially because I was so much younger. Um, But when he passed away, I had this overwhelming feeling of um, guilt and this feeling of being unsure of what could be done and also just unknowing of the future because this was the first passing of someone in the family that wasn't expected. Because as a kid, you kind of know when someone's older, they're going to pass away or something like that. And it was always kind of great grandparents and great, great aunts and things like that. Like people you don't really know, but Josh was someone who was kind of always there and you didn't expect it. And it was very hard to deal with that. And it hit so close to home. And I just couldn't, I couldn't handle that. And I went, emotionally, I couldn't deal with it. And I needed an outlet. I needed an outlet. And this was my outlet is to start Hearts for Josh and help other people and to just spread a message because Josh was also such a positive person. And I know he wouldn't want his legacy to be how he died. And I think that was also a struggle for me was he wouldn't he wasn't his death and that's how people who die who die of suicide they end up being their death and they're not just their death and I didn't want him to be that 
because he was more than that. That's a powerful statement. Uh, how old were you, Lane, when you began Hearts for Josh? I was 17. Okay. Yeah, I was a senior in high school. And obviously devastating time for the whole family, right, Bill? Um, well, if you can't tell, we're still not over it. I don't think yeah. we ever will be. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So Hearts for Josh, let's talk a little bit more about what that is and how that's been connected to Fraser and um, all the good that's come of it, as you described, Blaine. Yeah. So I, I don't do well with doubt and worry. I, I have a lot of anxiety. And now in my adult, more adult life, I'm still a teenager and stuff like that. I've learned to deal with that and seek out help. But in the time I needed something to deal and my way to deal was to help and do this. So pretty much right away, I've started making hearts. I was doing another fundraiser for the special education department at my high school through there. Like um, they do a kind of backroom like crafts fair for all the teachers and staff. And I kind of snuck in and was selling stuff there kind of as a secret. They didn't really know it was me, but all the teachers kind of knew it was me. But they kind of let me do it because it was for the school. And I was making these heart hangers that I learned to make on YouTube. And Can you, go on, Lane? Can you describe those for us? Because they're really neat. They're really yeah, cool. so they're, um, they're wool. It's called roving wool. So it's, it's kind of dyed wool that would come off a sheep. And yeah. then it's felted, which is a barbed needle. So kind of like a fishing hook. But they're really, really yep. small and kind of on like a, what would be like a larger sewing needle. And it's poked into the wool and it's kind of like dreading hair or like a knotted hair. And it's done so much that it creates so many knots and intertwining of the wool that it holds the pattern that you want. And um, if you pick all these pretty colors and you put them together, it creates this really pretty design. Um, yeah, they're gorgeous. Thank you. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. And since this was going on, I thought, well, I have all these extra hearts that no one bought, so why not do this with them? And it was also an outlet to kind of, needle felting is a de-stressor, so it was a de-stressing exercise too, to kind of make all these hearts. And Uncle Bill had actually set up a fund for the National Suicide Prevention, I think, hotline or something. And first I was going to give the money to them, but I wanted something more permanent and more of a memorial. So then I reached out to a lawyer. So I was going to think of setting up a nonprofit. That's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and that's I was going to college. And that's... That's really ambitious and really, really hard to do while you're in college. And so that would have taken a lot of stuff that I couldn't do at the time. So she, she talked about the fiscal sponsorship. And fiscal sponsorship is where you partner with an already existing nonprofit and, and you kind of work in tandem with them and all the money will go to them. So that's what we're doing with Fraser. And Josh had actually seeked treatment at Fraser and it was a pretty good experience with them. And we really liked the connection they had and they brought a lot of good ideas and they were really willing to work. And we've loved our experience with Frazier so far and hope great. to continue it, of course. It's just been really great and we've been able to do some really good work. So we've talked a little bit about Frazier. Maybe you can describe some more for us about uh, your relationship with Frazier and how um, you, you related with them with your family and how they helped. Um, sure. 
when shortly after Joshua uh, had seriously con con contemplated suicide for the first time, it frightened him. And so he checked himself into the University of Minnesota um, Psychiatric Hospital and received treatment there. And one of the recommendations that was made to him during his stay in the hospital was that we as a family seek counseling together to help Joshua deal with some of his problems and, and, and his demons. And so we were at a loss as to where to begin. Um, the, the hospital really didn't have any options for us. And somehow my wife was looking on the internet and saw that Frazier specialized in health and support for families with autistic children. Mm -hmm. They offered counseling to families with autistic children. And we thought that that would be an opportunity for us as a family to work on, on these issues that were bothering Josh and to help Sherry and I, my wife, know how to help him. And so we made arrangements. And uh, I think I said we were one of the first families to take advantage of this program that Frazier offered. And the Frazier staff was wonderful. There was a wonderful counselor that was working with us and we just dearly loved her. And unfortunately, I think Joshua's demons were such um, that he wasn't comfortable talking to anybody, even us about what he was feeling. But I know that it helped my wife and I uh, a great deal to have that setting where we could talk with a, a, health, a mental health professional about what we were feeling, what we were afraid of. And I, I know that it helped us deal with, with uh, what we were going through with Josh. Unfortunately, Josh was still had those demons that plagued him and he took his own life because of those, those pressures. But Frazier for, we, we met with Frazier for about 10 months before Joshua's death and they were a godsend. And so I would, I would highly recommend to families whose members who may have a member who's struggling with depression and autism to seek out the, some of the, uh, the resources that Frazier offers to help uh, deal with some of those things. Well, thank you for that, Bill, and I'll remind our listeners that we will remind them of the Fraser Hope Line, uh, free phone line, and uh, of course, Fraser's website at the end of our show. When you're selling these hearts, uh, people have their own stories, their own reasons to buy something like this. I mean, they're gorgeous. They make gorgeous gifts. We, we love them, but uh, it, it must have been, it must be uh, helpful to connect with people yeah. through these hearts. Is that right? Yeah. Every year at the walk, we hear new stories. Every year someone tells us, and we meet the same people every year too, to come back and we talk to them and can make those continuous connections with people out in the community, which I think is what we wanted, is something to continue to connect with people. Even if they don't buy something again, just to have that con yeah. continual connection that we're here, you're here, we feel your pain and you feel our pain kind of thing. Like we understand. Yeah. And you're telling a story about Josh too when you do this, right? You yeah. get part of his, get the story. So tell us about that. What, what, you know, what, what do you want us to know? Let's say, you know, the story that we're getting with our heart for people who have never seen Hearts for Josh. Um, what's the story you wanted to hear? 
our hope is that one people will walk away with the awareness that young people, young um, from uh, toddlers to teenagers who have been diagnosed or are on the autism spectrum have a very high rate of depression as they get older. I was I was unaware of that until we were going through it with Josh. And then there were, you know, we've heard a number of stories from people that have expressed the, the, the pain and the struggles they've gone through with depression with their autistic child. And so we hope that people understand and have a greater awareness that depression is a real problem with folks on the autism spectrum. So that was, that was one thing. And like Lainey said, we wanted Joshua's experience to be more about something positive. Joshua was the kind of person that took a lot of joy and went out of his way to help other people. And I started the fund out of grief, a fund out of grief, because I wanted to do something so that someone else wouldn't have to feel, hopefully wouldn't have to feel the pain that we were going through. And then when we told Lainey about it and she started Hearts for Josh, it just was a natural marriage. But our goal is to make people aware that depression is a real problem with uh, young people on the autism spectrum. You need to watch for it. You need to take action and seek treatment for it. I can't, ex- I can't stress the importance of that any more than, than I have. I think too, of course, stressing Uncle Bill's point, also talking about making connections with people. It's been shown in studies that making connections with people who are struggling is really important. Sending a text can be really important, but also just showing that you're there. So this can also be a touch point of something. Mm-hmm. So we've always tried to make it a point, or if it's not clear, this can be a point to make it clear that these are not just for you to keep, but also to give to people who you know are struggling. Because letting people know that you know that they're struggling and you're here for them can really help just even in the moment, and we would like that to be known. Related to that, Lane, Bill, you said something, you began this work, if you will, out of grief. There are people, there are survivors when something like this happens, and you are survivors. Uh, Where are you now, if you don't mind my asking, how have these, how have these activities helped you move forward and uh, remember Josh and, and keep Josh in the world in a way that you want him to? Well, um, it's, it's been cathartic uh, in a way because like Lainey said, we're, we're able to connect with people that are struggling, and that connection brings a little bit of comfort, especially mm-hmm. when someone says, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss, or we can say mm-hmm. to them, hang in there, don't give up, and, and there are things that you can do, and, and we're here for you. We understand what you're going through. So for me, it's been cathartic, but, um, you know, I don't think anyone can lose a loved one, especially a child, and um, not be affected by that. And there are so many, so many people that have lost children. When Joshua committed suicide, he left his computer behind at one of the hotels that he had planned to commit the suicide at. And the, uh, the manager behind the desk, when she found out why we were there to get Joshua's pick up Joshua's computer. She almost broke down in tears because two years before she had lost her son to suicide. You know, you find out that you become a member of a club that no one really wants to be a part of. 
but there's a bond of understanding that exists between families that have lost someone to suicide that it does bring a little bit of comfort and it does give a little bit of purpose to reach out to someone, to others, in hopes that they can avoid becoming a member of the club. It's one of those clubs that you want to keep people out of, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, beautifully said. And you shared with us that, you know, like so many of us and the, uh, others, a life can be hard sometimes. This was clearly difficult for you. How has your efforts, your work in um, Hearts for Josh helped you? Yeah, working in Hearts for Josh has really opened. Firstly, it's it's helped me heal and it's it's helped me deal. I had a really hard time with this. It was... Mm-hmm. It was something that I felt I just, I couldn't, I felt I could have done more and I don't know how I could have done more. And I, I also just, I had many comments from people that were very inappropriate and um, especially from adults in my life from school that were very inappropriate. And um, as a, even as a high school senior, it's still, hard to deal with that you're not really you're still dealing with authority and that was very hard to deal with and doing this and bringing awareness was very something that was able to bring healing and remembrance in a way that wasn't hurtful I had a a teacher that was very hurtful when I had to step down as my in a position that I was in a, a club because I just was having a very hard time and the season was going to be over soon. And she said some very hurtful words and I, I was frozen and I just needed to walk away. And this was able to bring healing and light in this darkness. But also secondarily, I think it's also helped me deal with my own life. Personally, I deal with a lot of anxiety and this has told me that I need to deal with this before it goes out of hand and I can't handle myself anymore. And um, it's a reminder. And it's, this program has allowed me to, to understand what I need to do for myself when I need help. And I don't think if I wasn't doing Hearts for Josh, I would be a little more stubborn and a little more hard on myself and I wouldn't let myself feel. There's a lot of lot of power and a lot of love in those hearts that you make. I, I hope everyone who's listening gets to a, a Fraser Walk or a festival, I think it's this year, and meet you folks and uh, take a heart home. Uh, it, it, I want to thank you for sharing. This is not easy, but it's so important. Um, thank you. I just like to say we do sell hearts on Facebook, um, the Hearts ah. for Josh Facebook page. And okay. um, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out. If it's to Fraser, if it's to anybody else, don't be afraid to reach out. And people are here to surround you in hope and love and care. You just have to find the right people. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's hard. I could not have said it better myself and I can't. So I'm gonna remind everyone on that note, Lane, that um, Fraser does have a free phone line, the Hope Line. Uh, that um, people can call anytime. That number is 612-446-HOPE. Again, 612-446-4673. Bill Lane, what a treat to have you on FraserCast. Thank you for sharing your story. It's powerful, giving us hope. And um, 
Bring us those hearts. They're marvelous, ladies and gentlemen. You must go find them. Hearts for Josh on Facebook, Hearts for Josh at the Fraser Festival in May. And for more information beyond the helpline, please go to Fraser.org. That's F-R-A-S-E-R.org. Thank you all for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next time.